This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. <laughs> this is also the concluding week of our seven-week message series about words that matter, and we have been hearing throughout this time the words that Jesus spoke from the cross, and we will conclude today uh, by returning to John's gospel, a pericope of text that Pastor Don has preached from twice already, and today uh, we will hear the last words that Jesus spoke in John's gospel. So now I ask that you hear the word of the Lord. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The word finished can have a lot of meanings, especially today, depending on the situation in which it's used. For example, if your boss wags his finger at you and says, pack up your stuff, you're finished, finished doesn't have a good connotation. It signifies failure. Or if you have a loved one or a friend who's been going through chemo and they tell you, I'm going to stop, I'm finished, it might be a sign that they're ready to just end an exhausting battle. You might have a child who plays on the world's worst little league team and they're losing 9 nothing in the second inning. And you might be praying for one more run to be scored by the opposition so the mercy rule will be invoked and the game will be finished. Right? Or you might decide to take piano lessons. And then you realize it takes more than three or four lessons and you don't feel that dedicated to it and you don't sound anything like Dr. Kathy. And so you say, oh, I'm finished with this. I remember when my stepson, Scott, graduated from the Naval Academy. He didn't even need to say the words. When he got his diploma, walked across the stage, he looked toward the audience. He knew where we were going to be sitting, and he looked toward his dad and just went like that. And that said, it's finished. I did it. Thank goodness. He was looking forward to getting married. But what did Jesus mean when he said, it is finished? before taking his last breath. We could understand these words a couple of different ways. First, we could say, well, he finally surrendered. He gave in to the forces of evil that had nailed him to the cross. It was an acknowledgement of giving up. Or we could hear his words as the proclamation of a completion of a mission that he was finished doing what God had sent him to do, which was to come to us, God incarnate, in human skin. Maybe for us today, knowing what we know now, it's a pretty easy choice between the defeatist choice and the victorious choice. We're in Lent, we're learning about the words that Jesus spoke, but we are Easter people, we know what's coming, we know the tomb will be empty, we know that Jesus will be resurrected and that we are invited to share in that resurrection. So we can be pretty sure that was a victory cry. But let's put ourselves in different shoes for just a moment. Let's imagine that we're standing at the foot of the cross with Mary and Mary and Mary and the beloved disciple. 
We might not understand what Jesus means when he says, it is finished. Or let's imagine we're reading the Bible for the first time, and we haven't been a lifelong church attendee. We might be confused by that language. Or we might be in church today for the very first time, and you're hearing this message, and it sounds pretty sad. The last words of a man who had been battered and beaten. We might assume that Jesus had finally given up, and we would be wrong. We would definitely be wrong. Now, sometimes when we're searching for the meaning of Scripture, this one might be pretty clear, but sometimes if it's not so clear, it's a good practice to go back to the original language. We have to remember the translations that we read, whether you like the King James Version or the New International Version or the Message. They have been translated from Greek or Hebrew. But to understand what a passage really means, sometimes it's helpful to pull out a book called an interlinear Bible, which translates for us into the Greek language. And if you look in this interlinear Bible, you will find, you won't find the phrase, it is finished in Greek. In fact, you'll find one word that encompasses the whole thing. And that word is tetelestai. Can you say that with me? Tetelestai. And what tetelestai means is, it is accomplished. It is completed. But even more important than that difference from finished to accomplished or completed, the, that phrase, that, one, that single word that encompasses the whole phrase, is written in the perfect verb tense. Now, at this point, you're ready to roll your eyes and go, come on, Pam, are you going to give us a linguistics lesson? It's all Greek to me, right? <laughs> But in this case, the perfect tense really matters. We don't have an English counterpart for this. But what the perfect tense means is that in the moment Jesus said the words, it is finished, it meant that the mission was accomplished in that moment, but that it was going to continue to be accomplished. The perfect tense means it's an ongoing accomplishment. And 2,000 years later, that matters to us. That may be why some Sunday mornings during the benediction, you hear Pastor Don say that God is redeeming us still. It's not one and done. It was finished in the moment, and God continues to finish the mission with us, in us, and for us. But what is it that was finished? Well, I just gave you a hint. It was Jesus' mission as God in human skin. It was Jesus' mission to create a path, a way of reconciliation, not only for us, but for all humanity and all creation. He has exchanged our sins for the offer of everlasting life and redemption, and we just can't grasp that until we understand Easter. But on the morning or the afternoon that Jesus uttered those words, people hadn't experienced Easter yet, and so it may have been very confusing to them. 
This is a declaration of victory by Jesus, fully human and fully God. It can be hard to see, though, in the midst of suffering and pain and injustice. But there are other tools we should use when we're trying to analyze a passage of Scripture. And both of these tools help illuminate and make us assured very positively that this was a victory cry. And those tools are first to look at the verses that, become, that come before or after, or to look at other translations, and I don't necessarily mean in another language, but other English translations of the Bible. Now earlier, as I mentioned to you, that Dr. Don has preached from this passage a couple of times, the verses before the one I read to you. So now, hear the entire passage. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You know that word I had you say with me before, to telestai. It only appears in the New Testament two times. And both of them are in the passage that I just read to you. Knowing that everything had now been finished, Jesus said, I am thirsty. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. But what was really interesting to me as I was studying this passage, I, I found a version of the Bible that I had never read from before. Um, my guess is most of you haven't either. It's called the Common Jewish Bible. And it's available on that app that most of us have on our phones. Now listen to the passage I just read to you from the perspective of a Jewish Bible, realizing that Jesus isn't called Jesus, but Yeshua Joshua, um, and that a disciple is a Talmud, okay? When Yeshua saw his mother and the Talmud, whom he loved, standing there, he said to his mother, Mother, this is your son. Then he said to the Talmud, This is your mother. And from that time on, the Talmud took her into his own home. After this, knowing that all things had accomplished their purpose... Yeshua, in order to fulfill the words of the Tanakh, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of cheap sour wine was there, so they soaked a sponge in the wine, coated it with oregano leaves, and held it up to his mouth. After Yeshua had, set, had taken the wine, he said, it is accomplished. And letting his head droop, he delivered up his spirit. It seems clearer in that translation that this was a victory cry. And I don't know about you, but I liked that he called Mary mother rather than woman in this translation. Does that not make you feel a little warmer and fuzzier? There are other words here that suggest a victory declaration. 
Pastor Don taught us a few weeks ago that in John's gospel, Jesus was always in control, and he was in control here. If we look at the words, we realize that Jesus made his declaration, it is finished with his head up. Because both translations I read to you said that he lowered his head or his head drooped after he said that. So he made the declaration with his head up. Then he gave up his spirit. Now the words gave up, those can be a problem too, depending on your understanding. When I think of give up, I was a soldier. I think of a military unit waving a white flag and surrendering. I think of a student in school saying this algebra is just too hard, I give up. I'm not even going to try anymore. But in this case, when we look at the common Jewish Bible, it says he delivered up his spirit. He delivered up. It wasn't giving up as surrendering. He, and I think, when, when I think about it, what did Jesus promise to do after he returned to the Father? He promised to send us his spirit. So here we see Jesus delivering up his spirit. Maybe so that it can be sent to us, as he promised it would be. You know, during Lent, we've looked at every single word that Jesus spoke from the cross. Today, we learned a little about studying the Bible by looking at original languages, by looking at the verses before and after a passage, by looking at multiple translations. You might forget all of those things about how to study the Bible. But please, please don't forget this. Jesus accomplished his mission for us. For the people who came before him, for the people who were his contemporaries, for everyone who has come since, and for the great-great-great-grandchildren we'll never, ever meet. He wasn't finished with his mission until he built up a community of followers to share the good news. He wasn't finished with his mission until he promised to send the Holy Spirit so that we would not be without him. He wasn't finished with his mission until he instituted the sacraments that we celebrate, baptism and Holy Communion. He wasn't finished with his mission until he warned us about religious hypocrisy and being judgmental toward our neighbors. He wasn't finished with his mission until he taught us that the most important commandment, the most important law, was to love God, to love our neighbor, and yes, even to love our enemy. He wasn't finished until he had given himself up so that all humanity and all creation could be reconciled with God. But his words also teach us about his mission. These words we've been studying from the cross. He offered forgiveness to those who were murdering him 
reminding us that we need to ask for forgiveness, but we also need to forgive. He reassured a common thief that that thief would be in paradise with Jesus, reminding us that we are never too filthy for Jesus and that God meets us right where we are. He provided for a caring relationship for his mother with the beloved disciple, reminding us that he has provided us with a new family as well here in the church. A message we learned on that wonderful day that we had um, eight young people confirm their faith and join the church as full members and part and became full part of the family. He asked for a drink, reminding us of the story that we read earlier about him having a conversation with a woman at a well. He asked her for a drink of water that would come from the well, but he also offered her living water that would never leave her thirsty again, reminding us that we need to thirst for God and that living water will never let us run dry. He cried out to God in anguish, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a tough one to hear, but it reminds us that we too can cry out to God and that we should. We should turn to God in prayer, not anger, in times when we're feeling lonely and forsaken. And then as we learned last week, he committed his spirit into God's care. He trusted God with what was happening. And as we learned, it's much easier to trust God and commit our spirits to God in that moment when we take our final breath if we have trusted God and been committed to God all of our lives. To tell us die. It is finished. Jesus accomplished his mission and is accomplishing it still. But there are still questions left to be answered. And I'm going to ask you those questions now, and I hope you will think about them as we journey through the rest of Lent. First, will we complete our mission Will we be able to say it is finished with the meaning that comes from tetelestai, it is accomplished? Will we complete our mission of making disciples for Jesus Christ, for the transformation of the world? Will we give our lives as a holy and living sacrifice in unity with the sacrifice that Jesus made for us? a sacrifice, a living sacrifice that is pleasing to God? Will we be the church that God calls us to be or the church that the culture we live in would prefer? And finally, will our it is finished be a cry of victory as we eagerly await to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, or will it be a cry of lamentation, admitting that we've lived our life 
to no good purpose. I pray this morning for you and for me and for our church and for the church that our it is finished will be made with upturned faces, heads not yet drooping, and that we will be able to say that we have followed the one who said, take up your cross and follow me. Amen.